Today we're going to learn about finishing projects. Hey everyone, hope you are well. Welcome to the 49th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zaccavelli. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Zaccavelli underscore and tune into my Twitch streams Monday and Friday at 1 p.m. and Saturday at 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern. That's at twitch.tv slash Zaccavelli underscore. We also have a community discord I'll leave the open invite link in the show notes. And yeah, I think you should come join the Discord and participate because it's a lot of fun. And speaking of participation, it's where we do the Game Dev Challenge. So with that, let's move on over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where I provide a prompt or topic or some kind of challenge for the listeners to send a submission in. And then we vote on it on the community Discord, and the winner gets read live on the show. If you'll remember, the episode 48 Game Dev Challenge was to identify a game loop in one of your favorite games and use the terminology we learned in episode 48. In episode 48, we talked about core game loops, and we learned a bunch of terminology like the difference between micro and macro loops, frequency, complementary steps... And all sorts of good stuff. And it's one of the best deep dive episodes I think I've ever done. So, yeah, go check it out if you haven't yet. But anyways, the winner of the episode 48 Game Dev Challenge is Phoenix Ready. Phoenix Ready's post says, I think Monster Hunter has one of the best game loops in my opinion. It's generally a macro loop. Get weapons to kill monsters so you can get better weapons to kill tougher monsters. With each monster taking around 15 to 30 minutes to complete. However, the micro-loops within the fights are what keeps the game engaging. What I mean by that is during the big loop of hunting down a monster, you first have to track it down, survive and deal enough damage, and eventually it will start to flee to a different part of the map so you can track it down again and repeat. It keeps the world feeling alive and challenging. Phoenix Ready does a great job in this submission by making a distinction between the micro and macro loops and talking about the frequency, the difference, how like a macro loop of the whole monster hunt to get better weapons to kill bigger monsters uh, takes like 15 to 30 minutes. And the micro loop within that game mechanic of tracking down the monster, dealing damage till it flees and tracking it down again. I actually have never played the Monster Hunter games, but I can see from this post how... There is a satisfying game loop here, and I know people really like the games, and it really makes sense to me now. That's kind of a nice bite-sized package, a nice 30 minutes um, play session where you can achieve something, and it has like a couple loops within it. So yeah, anyways, congrats to Phoenix Ready for winning the episode 48 Game Dev Challenge for episode 49 I want you to talk about a time when you failed a game dev project or failed to complete it at least and identify why you didn't complete it. Did you fall into one of the traps we're going to talk about today? Did you overscope? Kind of just elaborate on the reasons why you think you didn't finish. And yeah, I think it'll be a really good 
discussion generator for the reasons why game devs don't finish projects and how maybe we can get around those roadblocks. So if you have a good story about a time that you didn't finish a game dev project, just go over to the community discord and go to the game dev challenge channel and write up your post. With that out of the way, let's move on over to the body of the episode. Today I wanted to do a meta episode on how to avoid things that will keep you from finishing your projects. It seems like everyone I know who is a game dev has at some point shelved a project that maybe they have been working on for a long time. Not finishing a project is detrimental to your game dev career, as I believe finishing a game is one of the most important things you can do. And you don't get that extremely valuable experience if you can't see your projects all the way through. If you're having this problem, know that it's not unique to you. Like I said, everyone I know who is a game dev has done this at some point. And I think the trick is to not get caught in a perpetual state of unfinished projects. I have been caught in that loop for years before, and it really was the slowest my skills developed and just bad in general for my overall game dev career. So today we're going to talk about key things that you can look out for that will hopefully allow you to finish more of your projects and avoid that place where you're just going from unfinished project to unfinished project. When it comes down to it, I think there's three big reasons that stop projects. These are three dangers to every project and something you should be cognizant of when coming up with any game dev plan. The three things that keep game devs from finishing projects are a lack of budget, a lack of experience, and a lack of motivation. And I think they probably go from three to one in that order in terms of how often they happen, but that's not to say that you should ignore one more than the other. These are three deadly traps that will end your projects no matter how good of a game dev you are. So let's talk about how you might avoid them. Let's start at the very beginning of any game at the pre-production and planning phase. For a lot of early on game devs, sadly this is where it goes wrong and the fate of the game is written on the wall from step one. This is because if you have never made a game before, of course you're not going to really know how to plan its development. You're not going to know how much things cost, how much experience is required, and you're definitely not going to know the amount of work and fatigue that you're set up for. This is why I say it's so important to finish a game, because when you do, you get perspective on these things and you can kind of dial in your sense of scope. I know we've talked about scope lots before, but being able to properly manage it is one of the most important skills for avoiding these three traps. So forgive me if you already know this, but I think it's worth re-listening to. Scoping is basically deciding what it is and isn't going to be a part of your game or project. And in my opinion, it's the most important thing in the pre-production or planning phase. When considering scope, you have to understand that everything you want in your game comes with a cost. And that cost might be actual money, it could be time, experience, talent, or even your sanity. When you overscope a project, you are choosing to add something to the game that is going to take more money, time, or work than you planned for. This is one of the ways that the three traps stops your project. If you're in the middle of a project and realize, wait, I can't do this, I don't know how, I don't have the money, or I don't have the motivation, and I think the motivation one is the really sneaky one, 
it's going to really end your project there. I say the motivation is the sneaky one because at the beginning of the project, you're going to be really amped up. You're going to feel like no matter what, you're going to give this project your all, and your idea for the game is so good that you'll never get tired of it. But I guarantee you will get tired of it. I've made games in 48 hours, and I've tried to make games in 48 months, and I can tell you that no matter how short or long or how pumped I was about the idea, I got tired of it before the end of the project. And I don't mean that in like a bad way. You just work on something for so long, you just feel ready for something new. And for me, it's always like when I'm three quarters of the way done. And that three quarters is actually an important mark, and I didn't pick it arbitrarily. This is where scope comes in. To me, it feels like I hit that point where my motivation starts to run low at three quarters because that's how I scope my games. I think a lot of people quit their projects early because they get to that motivation loss point and they aren't even 25% of the way done. They lose interest in the project and still have the majority of the game to make. Rather than grind it out, they just move on to something new. And that new thing is also overscoped. And they get to the point where their new project is no longer exciting and realize they still have a long way to go and shelve that project. Maybe they learn from their lesson and they say, okay, this time I'm going to make a small game that I know I won't lose interest in. And they get to the middle of the project and realize they don't know how to do something. Then they're caught in the lack of experience trap. Then they have to go and learn through some tutorials, and once they finish those, they've lost their motivation because they've been putting a bunch of work into learning but haven't made any progress on the actual game. And if it sounds like I'm describing your situation and it's accurate, it's because this is my exact personal experience when I was caught in this loop of not finishing projects myself. So know that this comes from personal experience. Overscoping will open the door to the three traps, and if you don't learn how to properly scope, you will get caught in a continuous loop of unfinished projects. So you might now say to yourself, okay, that's easy, just don't overscope and everything will be fine. But I think it's easier said than done. Hopefully, if you do overscope, which you probably will, I still find myself doing it, especially in jam games, but hopefully if you do overscope, you can reduce your scope mid-project and still have it work out. Now, I try to use a safeguard that I do in the planning phase so that it minimizes the risk of me overscoping a core feature. When that happens, you can't really reduce your scope without totally changing the game. By reducing a core feature, you're just fundamentally changing what the game is. So the safeguard I do is that I have a core scope and a bonus scope. And that core scope is the stuff that absolutely cannot be reduced without changing the game. The bonus scope is a little bit bigger with stuff that you would like to add in the game but could be cut. The trick is to not treat the bonus scope like an unlimited budget shopping list. Let's liken it to a car, for example. The goal, let's say, is to buy something that I can drive to work. So the core scope of the project, we need something that can get me from point A to point B safely. Those are the things I'm not real willing to reduce. The bonus scope would be, well, it would be nice to have air conditioning and a radio. But notice in the bonus scope I didn't put butterfly doors, a fast 0 to 60 time, or a cool paint job. Well, those things are technically bonuses. Air conditioning and radio are much more achievable. 
So I hope you can see in that example, my strategy is with the whole core scope bonus scope thing is to be frugal even in your bonus scope, but still make that distinction between what is absolutely needed and what could be cut if you had to. I promise you that it's harder than I make it sound, and I wanted to do a little thought experiment sort of exercise to hopefully show you how easy it is to overscope. So just do this with me in your head. Let's say we wanted to make a monster taming game in the same vein as Pokemon. And because we're a small indie dev team, we're going to do it in the classic 2D sprite way uh, that the older Pokemon games did it. My question is for your Pokemon game, how many unique monsters are we going to have in our game? Just think of a number in your head that sounds good, sounds like what it should be for reference. The original Pokemon Red and Blue version had 151. So now you're going to make a Pokemon game, and how many are you going to put in your game? I hope you have a number in your head, and I hope when you picked it, you considered how many you would need to make it interesting. Like when I did it, I said, well, let's say there's 10 types. You have your water types, your fire types, your air, whatever. You probably want at least three per type. So there's 30 monsters right off the bat. Then you probably want those to evolve into new monsters, so let's say you have 20 more evolutions based on that original 30, and then you probably want some of those to evolve again to those really cool, like, strong three-stage evolutions. So maybe we add 10 more. And then, of course, no Pokemon game or monster taming game would be complete without, you know, a few super powerful ones, so we'll do, like, five legendary monsters. With that count, and I would consider this the bare minimum, we are already at 55 monsters. And remember, that's the absolute bare minimum. Let's consider the time it would take just to make the sprites for the game. Let's say you're really creative and already an accomplished pixel artist, and you can come up with a cool design for each monster and draw the sprite art in two hours, which by the way would be working really fast. You're looking at 110 hours just for the sprites for the monsters for your game for the bare minimum amount of monsters. 110 hours is a lot of time. Think about how many video games have you gotten bored of in less than 110 hours of playing. And remember, this is just for the bare minimum. When I first asked you to think of a number, was it more than 55? Is it setting in your mind how much actual work that is now that you've kind of planned it out? And do you think you could stay motivated that whole time to make all those? Remember, we also assumed you were already really good at pixel art and could come up with those designs and draw them in two hours. Do you have that kind of experience to work at that pace? I guess you could pay someone with that experience, but can you afford 55 pieces of character design and sprite commissions? I'm betting that most people picked more than 55 monsters, and I hope you can see how for one person... Uh, for a lot of people, you would have overscoped, and it's really easy to accidentally overscope because 55 doesn't seem like that much uh, until you go to plan it out. It's really easy to gloss over something and then not realize it was going to open the door to the three traps, and that could be a reason that you cancel a project. Some of you might know that before Bounce Shot, I was working on a monster taming game in the same vein as Pokemon. And this was an exact situation that I ran into. 
And that project is currently shelved, and I don't know if I'll ever unshelve it because I really love Pokemon. I really want to make a monster taming game. Uh, but the economics of it all for my time, for my money, for my art skill is just not currently making sense. And so there's an example of how I accidentally overscoped and fell into the three traps. So yeah, I know that this whole first chunk of this episode was basically about overscoping and managing scope. And I know it's something we've talked about before, but there's a reason I mention it a lot and dove back into it in this episode. And the simple reason is that it's true. Based on my experience in game dev and now my experience in teaching game dev, Overscoping and falling into those three traps is the number one reason devs don't finish their projects. Remember that the game dev challenge for this episode is to identify a time you have fallen into one of those traps, and I'm sure there are stories that we're going to see in those submissions of this happening. So now that we know what it looks like, hopefully we're better prepared to defend against it. So in short, managing scope and the idea of overscoping is worth reiterating and worth considering for your next project. I mentioned that usually about three quarters of the way through a project, I reach a dip. And for this part of the episode, I just wanted to talk about how I power through that dip. This is not exactly a foolproof plan, and it's going to be different for everyone, but I figured it might help to hear how I do it. So currently with my game Bounce Shot, I'm in this zone of a little past three quarters of the way done, and I'm no longer excited about working on it. Now don't get me wrong, it's not that I think it's bad and I'm not excited about the game, it's just I've been working on the same project for hundreds of hours now. And I'm already filled with excitement about my next project, and I've been very tempted to just start my next project and work on it in parallel with Bounce Shot. However, I think this would be a mistake. I have learned about myself that if I want quality and consistent work, that I need to work on one project at a time. What I think would end up happening is that I would start putting more and more effort into the new project and less and less into Bounce Shot, even though at the end of a project is when the most effort is needed. So I'm doing my best to restrain myself from starting any more game dev projects before Bounce Shot is finished. Secondly, I've given myself a deadline with all the tasks I need done. And I think if I just had a I'll release it when it's finished mindset, I think I would not work very efficiently with no time pressure or something to push me. And I also think it would open the door to maybe some scope creep, because with no time pressure, there's not that much incentive to keep the scope tight. Now, of course, this is highly subjective. I personally work better with time pressure, but that's not true for everyone, and that's not always true for me. Like, I can make an entire game in 48 hours, but if I worked at that pace for a month, I would definitely burn out. So this is more of a subjective sort of anecdotal evidence of what works for me, but I think there's a lot of people who might find value in this and it might resonate with. Adding that little bit of time pressure and a deadline might motivate you to work a little more efficiently and consistently. One thing I wanted to mention is that if you're the leader of a team, understand that just because you're okay with adding some time pressure and maybe even crunching under that time pressure, um, if you're a team leader, it might not be fair to 
ask others to crunch or it might not even be what's best for your team because not everyone deals with time pressure in the same way that you do. And so it's important to consider what's really best for your team or for partners you're working on a game with. Time pressure for some people gives them great anxiety and actually decreases the quality of their work and consistency of their work. So yeah, if you're a team leader, I would say time pressure maybe isn't always the best answer. And it's just important to know yourself and what kind of dev you are and works best for you and your team. So I hope those were just some things to consider and help you get through the home stretch of a project. Um, Ultimately, I think it just comes to grinding it out. You got to figure out what works for you. And for most of us, that's going to be some form of discipline to work on game dev, even when you don't feel like it. I wanted to make the last point today about how sometimes it's okay and a good idea to shelve a project. The worst thing I think you can do is to continue working on something that you know is doomed to never release. So I don't want you to take my last words of motivation and discipline and turn it into stubbornness. If the writing is on the wall for your project, let's say maybe you fell into one of the three traps on a core feature, Sometimes it's best just to shelve it and start with something new. Better yet, figure out if there's anything that can be salvaged and reuse it for that new project. Don't subject yourself to getting stuck in development hell, a place where you're too stubborn to quit, a project you tell yourself you've put too much time, energy, or money in to quit now. This is a sunk cost fallacy and 90% of the time it's not worth it. There are those projects that survive development hell and work out, but oftentimes they require significant changes and reworks. Not to mention all the extra time, stress, money, etc. So yeah, just really think about it carefully and know what you're in for and know that it's okay to quit a project when you know the writing is on the wall. Let's briefly recap what we talked about today. Today's episode was sort of a meta tips and tricks episode for finishing projects. Remember that Actually, finishing projects is the most important thing you can do for improving as a game dev. Being in a perpetual state of not finishing things is a common problem, so don't feel bad about getting stuck in that zone. It's a place I personally have been, uh, but we talked about some ways today to avoid that zone. Specifically, we talked about the three traps, lack of budget, lack of experience, lack of motivation. These three traps can be managed by properly scoping your project in the planning phase. Remember I mentioned being frugal with both your core scope and your bonus scope is a good way to maybe mitigate running into a trap on a core feature of your game. You can cut things from your bonus scope, but if your core scope is the problem for one of those traps, it's probably going to spell the end of your project. We talked about how even with good scope management, you'll likely hit a dip in motivation. For me, it's usually about three quarters of the way through the project. For that last 25%, you're going to have to have discipline to finish. For me, it helps personally to not start new projects during that time and to have a deadline to introduce a little bit of time pressure. And lastly, we talked about how sometimes it's the right decision to shelve a project. Salvage what you can from a project and be done with it. Do your best not to get caught up in development hell. So there it is. There's my tips for finishing projects. I hope you got something out of this. I know this is one of like the most requested 
things are like tips for avoiding burnout and how to actually complete projects and not get caught in tutorial hell or development hell. So yeah, I hope this helps. Those are my best ideas for it. If you have good ideas for it, get a hold of me on Twitter at underscore Zeccavelli underscore or come on over to the Game Dev Field Guide Discord. I'll leave a invite link in the show notes. The next main episode will be our 50th episode. I have something special planned. This is a topic that I've held on to since around episode 20, and I reserved it for 50 because I just knew it's like one of the best topics you can have for a game dev uh, podcast. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Before we get to that, there will be a guest episode. I have another great guest uh, for this month. It'll probably come out on the last day of this month, uh, which I think will be next Monday. So keep an eye out for that. And don't forget to come visit me over on Twitch on Mondays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. I do a little bit of game dev, a little bit of games. Yeah, and just in general, if you ever have a game dev question, come ask me. I'll be live there. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zeccavelli. Remember to avoid scope creep like the plague, and I'll see you guys next time.